0: All right, Get Well, so grateful to be here with you today as we do start a brand new series called Salt and Light, reflecting on this foundational truth, this statement that Jesus says of his followers that you are salt of the earth, you are light of the world. If we were to sum it up, what is Jesus calling us to as we follow him? We're to make an impact on the world for the kingdom of God. Just like we saw in the bumper video, every single day we have opportunities to love like Jesus in the name of Jesus. That what we do and say can invite people into to the, the goodness and the glory and the power and the truth and the love of God. That we can point people to what Jesus has done by revealing to what he's doing in us. I love this idea. Uh, that God has created us with this purpose to make an impact on the world. Do you realize that we are made for this? I mean, every single one of us have an opportunity and a platform to share the love of Jesus. That every single one of us, we have relationships in our lives where we can love people like nobody else can love them. We have relationships and we have experiences and we have uh, personalities, and we have spiritual gifts, and we have talents, and we have resources in our lives that position us to be able to share the love of Jesus in a way that only we can. And in the same breath, we also have opportunities every day that God is only giving to you and me. And our, our responsibility is to say, yes, God, use me in this moment. And so one of the things that we're gonna challenge you with over the next couple of months, as we think about being salt and light, is this idea of how do I love my neighbor well? And as you see this interaction that Jesus has, and he says, uh, this young man says, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells this incredible story, but he's basically saying, everyone i put in your path today is your neighbor. And so we're asking this question, how do I love the people that God puts in my path? And we want to celebrate that. We want to hear stories about what God is doing. We want to give you opportunities. We've uh, put together these block party kits for you to get to know your neighbor. Because how do you love your neighbor if you don't know your neighbor? And we want to encourage you to think about uh, getting one of those block party kits. And I know for a lot of us, it's way out of our comfort zone uh, to do something like that. But maybe partner with somebody and say, hey, let's do this together. I want to love my neighbor. We've got a whole list of ways that you can love your neighbor on our website. There's a tab uh, for your love, your neighbor at GetWellChurch.org. Uh, but in addition to that, what we're going to do each and every single week is we are going to give you a weekly challenge, a weekly challenge in a way that we can love our neighbor well. And here's this week's weekly challenge: as we want you to write a note. It's not hard, right? Write a note and pray for somebody in your world. Maybe there's somebody that you haven't seen at church in a while or you haven't seen walking around the neighborhood in a while or you haven't seen at the ball field in a while or wherever it is that that you cross paths with people. If there's somebody that you haven't seen or somebody that you know, you know what, they really need some encouragement right now. We want you to love like Jesus in the name of Jesus and send them a note and really pray for them. Don't just say like we often do, oh, I'm going to pray for you. Really pray for them and lift them up to the Lord. So that's this week's weekly challenge. I would love to hear what God does with that as you see God bring fruit. Uh, But challenge you, write a note this week, uh, love your neighbor. But this place that we're going to reflect on today is a place where Jesus lifts this idea up that we are to make an impact in the world. That the way that we love our neighbor is not just in a way that we think we should or I or think that, you know, all oh, this feels good to me. No, it's like Jesus in the name of Jesus. And Jesus calls this idea to be salt and light. Now the place where Jesus brings this up is called the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. This incredible sermon, that, that probably the greatest sermon of all history that Jesus uh, delivers to this huge crowd that's come to, to see him and hear him. And in this message early on he says, you are salt of the earth, you are light of the world. <clears throat> but before he does that, he lays a foundation. He lays a foundation with something that we, we call the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 1 through 11. So let's take a look at that real quick. Jesus says, Matthew 5, verse one. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who are persecuted. I mean, it kind of sounds like Jesus is flipping the world upside down. None of us are, are seeking to be poor. None of us enjoy when we mourn and grieve. None of us have meekness at the top of our resume as something that we want to lift up. It sounds like Jesus is flipping the world upside down. But actually Jesus is flipping the world right side up calling you and me, if we're really gonna trust Jesus, that we would surrender to him and stop insisting on our own way and what we think is good for us and trust our creator and our savior with our lives. That's hard to do, right? Because as we look at this list, it kind of feels like on the the surface that Jesus is kind of like a joy killer. Like he's just burying us with these rules and he's kind of telling us that we got to live this this painful life. I want you to mourn and I want you to be poor and I want you to grieve and I want you to be persecuted. And it kind of feels like Jesus, you're just kind of cramping my style. What's the deal? But it couldn't be further from the truth because what Jesus is inviting us into here in the Sermon on the Mount is that when we trust God With the the aspects of life that we don't understand that are beyond our ability to comprehend. When we place our lives in the hand of Jesus, Jesus always gives us more than what we could do for ourselves. And so he says here, time after time, blessed are those that are willing to place their lives in my hands this way. Sometimes in your Bible, it might be translated the word blessed. Sometimes it might say happy. It's the word makarios. And it's one of those words, it's kind of hard to nail down, but it, the way we might wrap our mind around it is that it is a deep and lasting and unconditional kind of joy and happiness. It's a rooted joy and happiness in us that is not determined by the happenings around us, but it is rooted in us in a way that we bring it to our circumstances, not get it from our circumstances. And Jesus is calling us to place our lives in his hands that if we are be willing to do some of these crazy things that blessed those who are poor, when we realize our desperate need for God, what do we get? The kingdom of God. Blessed are those who grieve over our brokenness. What do we get? We get the comfort that can only be experienced in God in those times. Blessed are those who long for God's justice because what do we get? We get true justice. Blessed are those who give mercy because we will receive mercy. Blessed are those who let God transform our hearts and desires that we would have a pure heart. Because when we do, we can see God. There is no longer a barrier of sin or brokenness between my vision and my Savior because he's transforming me. Blessed are those who work for peace because we'll be called children of God. Blessed are those who are willing to be persecuted for doing right because we receive the kingdom. We're brought into the work of God and blessed are those who are mocked for following Jesus because there's a great reward in heaven. And based on what we know God will do in our lives, a sure and certain hope we can bring a joy to everything that we experience. Every challenge, every struggle, every opportunity, we're bringing a joy to it. And something has changed in you and me when we surrender our lives to Jesus. And when we do that, We bring something to the world, and this is the key. This is what the Love Your Neighbor Challenge is all about. It's what Salt and Light is all about. When we are transformed from the inside out, we bring something to the world that the world doesn't have on its own. And the world is looking for it, and the world is longing for it, and the world is hurting for it, and they don't know where to turn, and we can bring it to them, life and joy and peace and hope. It's the reason when, why a person gets around a true follower of Jesus who is sold out to Jesus, who is all in for Jesus. And they look at our lives and they say, I don't know what you've got, but I want whatever that is. Because I've been looking for it. I can't find it out here. Jesus calls this phenomenon being salt and light. Salt of the earth, light of the world, bringing something to the world that the world can't find on its own. So let's take a look at what Jesus says. Matthew 5, verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. This is a scientific truth. When salt loses its saltiness, it cannot regain it. Jesus goes on. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Salt and light. So let's talk about this idea of salt. As Jesus is speaking to the crowd, And he says to them, if you're going to follow me, if if God's going to be at work in your life, you are salt of the earth. Now, the people who were listening to Jesus on that first century day would have immediately had a context for what Jesus was saying. Because in the, the world of religion and Judaism in the first century, salt had two primary purposes. It was about sacrifice and covenant that salt was used often in sacrificial practices, in offerings that were given to God. And so the people would have had this understanding that that part of what salt means is that I give my offerings to God as a response, not a condition of God's love and mercy and grace, but a response to God's love and mercy and grace. I'm bringing my sacrifices, my offerings to him. And it was often used in practices of covenant making, where two people were joined together in an unbreakable promise, always a, a reflection, a remembrance of who's the ultimate covenant maker, going back to the Old Testament, that understanding that God is the true promise maker, the true promise keeper, the one who initiates covenants. And so on the, the, the deepest roots of what Jesus is saying is, when I send you out into the world, not retreating from the world into our holy huddles, but your purpose is to be sent out into the world to give the world something the world cannot find on its own. And when you do that, understand it is a response to the love and power and mercy and grace that I give to you. It is a response and a memory of the promises I've made to you that I will keep. And because of what I've done, trusting God and what he's done, we go out into the world. This is the the gospel truth that God did for us what we could not do. That God did for us what we did not deserve. That he sent his son, Jesus, to live a perfect life, to die a criminal's death, to destroy sin and death and rise on the third day. Not a single one of us deserve it or could have made it happen, but God did it in his love, in his mercy, in his grace for us. And everything we bring to God is a response to that. And so we, we have that foundation, but, but in light of that, in this response to God, what are some ways that we can live that out? And I think there's some aspects of salt and light that we can reflect on they might help us as we go out into the world to bring to the world something the world cannot find on its own. One of the things that, that I thought about, did you know, there's over hundreds, hundreds, hundreds uses of salt. But I, I thought about three of them. One of the things that I thought about, man, is salt just is, is good. Salt brings flavor, right? Salt makes things taste better. I mean, when when I'm eating some chips, when I'm eating some fries, when I'm eating my vegetables, like I gotta sprinkle some salt on that stuff, right? Uh, There's nothing worse than a French fry without salt. And and we got a debate in my house, uh, and one of us is right and one of us is wrong about whether or not salt belongs on watermelon. Now, I am firmly in the camp that salt belongs on watermelon. And one of us is right, one of us is wrong. But let me just say, salt makes things better. So I'll let you decide who's on the right side of that argument. But here's the thing is that salt makes things good. It makes things better. And it's the very same with God's goodness, that God's goodness makes life better. And then when it comes to my life and I'm coming to God, I'm like, I want you to sprinkle that goodness all over my life, God. And so I pray for it and I look for it and I use every resource I have in my hands to sprinkle some of that goodness on my life. But as a follower of Jesus, I'm confronted with the truth of discipleship, the truth of the gospel. Jesus says things like, hey, seek first the kingdom of God and all this will be given to you. Jesus says things like, hey, if you want to follow me, take up your cross daily. What? You know what they do with that, right, Jesus? Like they, they, they kill you. They, they make you suffer on that thing. And he says, no, I want you to follow me. Jesus says things like, hey, blessed are those who are poor and at the end of their rope. Blessed are those who grieve over their brokenness. Blessed are those who are willingly stepping into opportunities where they know they'll be persecuted or mocked for doing the right thing and for following me. And so what do I do with this idea of God's goodness? Well, it's my willingness to step into the hard places, trusting that God is for me. And I take all that goodness of God and I sprinkle it all over the lives of the people around me. How can I intentionally speak and act and plan and do things so that my neighbor knows that God loves them? So that the people that I work with or go to school with or go to church with or live in the same neighborhood or we see each other on the ball field or at dance or wherever you might find yourself. How do I live in such a way that I can sprinkle that goodness of God on their lives so that they know that they matter to me and to God? And there's a God who loves them so much that he sent their son for them. So the big question that we wrestle with is do the things that I do and say, does my life invite people, draw people in to the goodness of God? Another thing I thought about, it's not just that salt makes things better, brings flavor, but salt can be used to preserve Salt is really, really good at making things keep their goodness over time. So if I were to take this salt and and I had something that needed to be preserved, it was gonna spoil by some bacteria or something over time and I pour this salt over that, it would keep it good for a long, long, long time. It is the very same thing with God's truth. That God's truth, when we live in it, when we surrender to it, when we seek it, it keeps God's goodness in our lives and in the world over time. And so we've got to be willing to be people as we follow Jesus that are people who seek to preserve the goodness of God. Now, how do we do that? There's a couple of ways, a couple of things that we can focus on. One of those things is that we can point people in their lives to the goodness and the favor and the love of God. I so much of the time when we're hurting or we're broken or we're trying to deal with some bad choices or somebody else is wrestling through those things in life, what we need is not a, you need a step one, two, and three to fix this. What we need is a vision of the goodness and the love of God that is already at work in our lives. When somebody is is searching and seeking God in their life, the first thing that I look for is where is God already at work in your life? And so sometimes we just need to be the lens that people need to be able to put on to see that the truth of God is that he is for them. The truth of God is that he already sent his son Jesus to die for them. The truth of God is that he is offering his Holy Spirit. He's offering oneness. He's offering new life. He's offering forgiveness. He's offering eternity already if we'll be willing to receive it. And so part of that is we might have to be the vision of the goodness of God for somebody. But the second thing that you and I can focus on is that I would resist the temptation to live under any hand, under any power that distorts or twists the truth of God. So think about it. On a daily basis, what do I open my life up to with what I watch, what I listen to, what I participate in? Am I I opening my life up to things that twist and distort the truth of God? Thinking that, oh, it's it's just this or it's just that and it's not gonna affect me. But over time, we begin to erode to those lies and that distortion of God's truth. And if we're going to be willing to or be people who are able to preserve the truth and the goodness of God in the world, then we've got to make sure that we are pouring that truth into our lives and not allowing other things to sink their way in. So, salt brings flavor. Salt is used to preserve, but salt can also be used to destroy. Salt is really good at killing bacteria. It's really good at killing, you know, those bugs or things that would harm us. Have you guys ever seen one of these bad boys? This is so cool. You ever seen one of these? Anybody ever use one of these? This is the the bug assault gun. And you load this thing up with salt and you got one of those flying things that, that want to hurt you and want to harm you. And you take aim and you can take that thing out. It's the same with God's power. That God's power can destroy the things that would harm us in life. Sin of our own lives, sins of others that have been inflicted on us, the power of God can destroy and heal and redeem and restore. But here's the temptation that you and I have got to fight. I said, we can't take the power of God and take aim at our neighbor who we think has got to get their life in order and start firing away. We gotta resist the temptation to get on social media and start blasting away at how could you do this or why could you think that and why don't you do this? We gotta resist the temptation to get up to that family member and say, hey, when are you gonna do this, this, and this? We gotta resist the temptation to go to our coworker and say, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you doing this? And we fire away and we fire away. Now, when we talk about the power of God This this salt that God is wanting to bring in our lives and he wants us to be, it's we aim it at ourselves and say, God, how can you destroy the sin in me? How can you destroy those things that would harm me and others? How can you destroy those things that would take away the saltiness of my life, Lord? I want you, your Holy Spirit, to take square aim at the brokenness in me and destroy it forever and replace it with life and goodness and truth. We are the salt of the earth, not shrinking away, not retreating, but going into the world with the goodness, with the truth and the power of God. But we're also light. Jesus says, you are light of the world. I think about light and and what it can do one of the things that light can do is light can reveal. It can show what's in the darkness. And, and so I thought about, you know, how our lives are like a flashlight and how so much of our lives we can go through and we can reveal the things that are hidden away in the darkness. Because darkness is dangerous, guys. Darkness can hurt you. We all know the truth of that. Anybody who's ever gotten up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and you forget that that piece of furniture is there and you stub your toe, you know the pain of darkness. And what God can do is he can shine a light on the things that are hidden. But again, you and I have got to resist the temptation Because what we wanna do is we wanna take this flashlight and we wanna point it on others because it, I I don't know that I wanna reveal the hidden things in me, God. That's why it's hidden. Don't you know that's how it works? Like I put it in that room and I locked the door to be hidden forever. I don't wanna go there. But we wanna shine it on others. And have you ever had somebody take a flashlight and shine it in your eyes? I kinda like what we do sometimes with the truth of God. As we take that flashlight and we shine it in the eyes of others, and listen, that hurts. It's painful, but it's painful without purpose. It's painful without doing anything helpful. Now think about it. surgery is painful, but it has a purpose. Surgery can bring healing when it's done by the right person, but that doesn't mean I'm gonna put a scalpel in the hand of my eight-year-old. And many of us are going around our lives with the scalpel or we're going around our lives with that flashlight and we're shining it in other people's eyes. And we're like, hey, figure it out, figure it out. And it's pain without purpose because God never says that we are to sanctify the people around us. God says, I send my Holy Spirit to challenge and to guide and to reveal the sin of the world. And so what do we do with this flashlight? We look at our own lives and we say, God, shine a light on my life. Think about Psalm 139, the last few verses says, search me, O God, test me, God. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. God, shine a light on the brokenness of my life that I can see. But light does another thing Light light can shine on the path. Light can shine on the path. And I think about what it would mean for you and I as followers of Jesus, in a sense, to take a candle, to light it, and walk on God's path and invite others to join us. With what we say, with what we do, step after step after step, just staying on the path, lighting the way with the truth of God, with the love of God, and taking somebody by the hand and say, would you come with me? Let me invite you into what God's doing in my life. Let me invite you into what God wants to do in your life. Let me invite you into the truth of God. Let me show you some of the miracles of God. Let me show you what Jesus wants to do in your life. And I just want to shine a light on the path that God has for you. And then maybe... A season of time would come as we invited that person on and they'll pull out their candle and we can lean over and we can light that candle for them. And then they walk on the path and they're inviting somebody in, shining the way, the blessed way. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who realize their desperate need for God. Blessed are those who are broken over our sin and grieve it, grieve the pain of the world. Blessed are those who are willing to seek for justice, true justice. Blessed are those who are meek, who don't have to make a big deal of their lives because they know that God is for them. Blessed are those who are willing to work for peace when the world is crying, peace, peace, but there is no peace. Blessed are those who are willing to be persecuted or mocked. They have a relentless, lasting, unchanging joy that they can bring to the world that cannot find it any other place. But here's the key. As we seek to be salt and light, this is not so much something that we do as it is who we become. Look at what Jesus says. He says, you are You and I are salt and light. There's two words that are so very important here. The first is that Jesus says, you. In the original language, that word is both plural and it's emphatic, meaning it's plural, meaning it's not just one person, but it's all of us, that we cannot do this alone, but it is only through the body of Christ that we can fully live this out that we need each other to be with each other, to lean on each other, to pray with each other, to encourage each other, to get into God's word together. But it's also emphatic, meaning you, not them, you are salt and light. That you are set apart for this purpose. And I'm sending you into the world. And the second part of this that's so very important is he says, you. Are salt and light. It's about our identity. That just as with God, that God only does what is reflective of his character, we can only live in a way that's reflective of the character inside of us. And so we've got to let God get a hold of us if we want to reflect him in the world. God, make me, this is my prayer for us God, make me salt and light. God, would you get a hold of the desires of my heart that I would want what you want? God, would you change the thoughts of my mind that I could think the way you think? God, would you allow me to give have a surrender of my will to you? Would you say this with me? God, make me salt and light. Let's say it one more time. God, make me salt and light. Let this be the prayer of our hearts that in response to what Jesus has already done, not a condition of it, but a response to the grace and the love and the power of God given to us through his son Jesus on the cross, in the empty tomb, on the third day by the power of the spirit, God make me salt and light. God, teach me to love myself and to love my neighbor. God, send me to my neighborhood, my workplace, my school. God, send me to the ball field and the dance studio and the grocery store. God, send me to the church. God, send me to the community to be salt and light, to make an impact on the world for the kingdom of God because of what you've already done. What would it look like for us, for all of our lives, to be a response to what Jesus has already done.